Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Welcome to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong, and thank you very much for listening to the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith. Technology has changed nearly everything about the way music is made and enjoyed, and it's easy to lament the ways in which it divides and exploits artists. Illegal downloading and questionable revenue dispensation from streaming services has seen artist incomes plummet, and label support has all but vanished in the new paradigm. It's enough to make musicians hang up their hats and consider getting out of the racket altogether. But there is a light side of the force. The proliferation of affordable digital audio and video recording gear has made it easier than ever for artists to make high-quality music at home, and the internet and social media allow innovative artists to find their fans and reach them directly. Cersei Link and her partner, Christian Nesmith, would likely have had a successful career in music in any era, but they've built a substantial fan base by capitalizing on these new channels better than most performers in the new millennium. Link has nearly 10 albums in her catalog, and Nesmith's formidable skills as a guitarist and arranger have accelerated Link's prolific tendencies as a songwriter. Although their most recent album, Bird's Amazing Odyssey and The Meaning of Tea, was released in 2015, the pair were already ahead of themselves, assembling an album of 18 cover songs called Side Orders, complete with accompanying videos, compiled from the over 90 songs on their YouTube channel. And if that isn't enough output to appease the ever-hungry maw of the god of content, Link and Nesmith host regular live video streaming concerts, complete with their full band and production staff. And it's with that full band that Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith shine brightest because they smartly surround themselves with top-notch players that help them realize the full potential of their adventurous arrangements. Guitars flirt with Beatles and pet sounds interplay, a pair of background singers provide ear candy vocals, and the rhythm section keeps everything on track and moving forward, whether the song is a breezy country blues or a prog folk hat tip to circus music. But mostly, the expansive and expanding musical universe that Link and Nesmith have created is just plain fun. Welcome to Independence Day, Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith. Say hello, folks. Howdy, folks. How How's are you? Really it's good. Well. It's going well. It's a pleasure to have both of you in. This is your second appearance on the show, but your first appearance under your own name. You were in with Susan James late last year. Her record did very well and a lot of yeah. end of the year lists. And I'm was, happy to see it, too. It's very good. It was a really good record. Very, I'm very good. I'm happy to be part of her live band for that one one. Uh, uh, round of live tunes. Yeah, yeah, she's really, really inspirational writer. I it, really love her vibe. It was fun stuff, but this show isn't about Susan James, it's about you. Yay. This is your day. Uh, so thank you very much. It's our in-depth day. It is your in-depth day. Good God. <laughs> what does that mean? You've been, you've been planning that. Show. Oh, that's right. It's my in-depth day. It's your in-depth day. It's our in-depth day. Okay. So okay. thank you thank you for taking time. I mean, we're all busy people, and I know you know musicians are the busiest people I know. Thank yeah. you for coming in. We are honored to be on the show. I, I was telling it. you pre-show that I think this is one of my favorite uh, music interview shows because you have such a way of seeing into the subtext of the artists that you have on. There's cultural references, literary references. And Good thing I, I'm a blank page. Yeah. Honey. Hey! <laughs> Cersei I, I Flattery will get, you, will get you everywhere. Thank you so much. But thank you. Anyway, but you... <laughs> Uh, Southern California-based artist. Uh, natives. But, We're natives. Yes. Born, born natives. and raised, both of us. Of course. But you're, you're, your musical universe is very large. Yeah. Like you travel doing this, and you, you're full-time at doing this. Yeah, pretty right? much. So <laughs> in the next hour, we're going to get to the bottom of how you make a living in music, <laughs> at least through, through your perspective. Okay. Uh, first, so tell me, you know, growing up in California, I mean, that's a, that's a, first of all, it's a benefit. Yeah. You know, like think of it, you know, some of us could be born in Somalia, 
and but you were not. You were Absolutely. born in one of the epicenters of modern culture, Western yeah. culture. So, uh, you know, Robbie Rist, for example, loves to rant about people who come to this town. Mm-hmm. You know, I am one of those. Robbie people, Rist just loves to rant. He That's does. Very true. He does. I think you know. I think he even rants about things he likes just to, so he has something to. Oh, rant don't about. even get him started on the Beatles. Absolutely, because you know he says he doesn't like the Beatles, but it's a lie. It's I a know. Lie. I taunt him about that. <laughs> <laughs> on Facebook relentlessly. I think more specifically, he just doesn't like what Paul did after the Beatles because sure. he feels it's a, just on the schmaltzy side. But, you know, screw it. It's Paul McCartney. We've been threatening know. to have him over. So uh, we said we would do a monkey song with okay. him if he'll do a Beatles song with us. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what I wonder what Beatles song you, you could cajole him into doing. Like, I wonder what's acceptable to Well, Robbie the harmonies with. are great. I think Nowhere Man would be killer. So fun. He could yeah. he's such he an probably amazing just wants singer. to do revolution number nine. That's yeah. all that's where he's at, you know. Yeah, the slow one? Yeah. Or just or Oh, the, that's just revolution. You know, that or you know, something like sexy Sadie. I'm thinking you know, like Helter Skelter would be <laughs> totally. more like Robbie. He would Riss. sing the holy poop out of that. That's what I mean. Like that I, there, you know, there's something in there that can be mine. I that think guy's a rock find, star. We can find some he is a rock star. I love Robbie Rist. Uh, and he was like my ther- he's one of my therapists. Like as I was cycling through being like woefully under slash unemployed during the yeah. great great recession. Uh, you know, he and I get together every few months and have a beer and like, you know, I would just, you know, practically cry on my beer. What am I going to do? What yep. am I going to do? And here I am making dozens of dimes in the radio industry. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I'm, I'm, just, I'm looking forward to this conversation because I feel like this is going to be an intellectual, like there's lots of places we can go oh, man. with this thing. You're and there's have so to much great music. Um, so, but to tie it together, like growing up in Los Angeles, like did you did that have a direct? I mean, Christian, I know it did for you, but did it have a direct effect on your musical development coming from this place? No, no. no? I, 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 I mean, most people know uh, about my family and my dad, and which and is Michael Mike Nesmith. Nesmith. Michael Nesmith from, from the, the Monkees uh, is my father, and and so there was a lot of. Uh, uh, artistry around the house but you know he lived in uh, and still does uh, in the in the Monterey Bay area uh, so I spent a lot of time up there and 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 there was a lot of input uh, for uh, certain artistic endeavors uh, in that locale so I think it was more of the people that I was exposed to rather than right. where I was it, but the uh, people were there because of the place though not in, I, think, I mean, you know, you're almost robbing Peter to, to pay Paul in that regard, right? I, for me, I would say that the only significant uh, locational aspect uh, of my music is the fact that I was uh, in my, uh, you know, early twenties in the eighties during, you know, during that whole Sunset Strip thing, which I never did the the, the whole hairspray and makeup and spandex deal, but I was around. You had that. big hair though. I, I, but that was but just it was natural. natural. It was natural. Hair, hair by God. Hair by yeah. God. You know, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, I hung out at the Rainbow and whiskey, and I played all those clubs, Troubadour, and you know everything down there. And if that's probably the only thing that really has to do with yeah. what I, with my, with my location, uh, more of it was was about just exploring, uh, uh, exploring a. Uh, the different kinds of musics that I liked. Um, right. And there was also a, a, a good period of time that I got personally sidetracked and that doesn't, you know, that's another story. But uh, I wouldn't say, it, I say that you sort of make the musical environment that you're looking for. I mean, if you're in Des Moines 
and you're a good musician, you're going to go looking. You're going to find somebody mm-hmm. that you can play with. Somebody's yeah. in there. You well, know, Bo Ramsey, I think, is still... I think he's still located out of there, based there. Who's that? Uh, ace guitar player. I saw him touring with Lucinda Williams maybe ten or fifteen years ago. But he's a guy. You know, he if like you're play, hanging out. He in plays Butte, the Montana, Iowa circuit, whatever that is. <laughs> See, there's, there's, now it's a challenge. If you're hanging out in Butte, Montana, yeah. and you're looking for somebody, you're going to find somebody. Yeah. Okay. Come on, give uh, me. Josh Ritter, which is more oh! Idaho. Oh, he got you. Well, that's close enough, Montana. I mean, I, I, you know. (laughs) Nobody from Butte, Montana? I do think there's something to be said for the culture um, in each town or city. I grew up more in Long Beach than Los Angeles proper, so I kind of come from a hippie beach town with a real uh, large demographic of LGBT people. Right. So... I think that did play into my sensibility as a human, and I can't help but think that that definitely uh, informs my music as well. Right. And I love that. Yeah, well, we all come from where we come from. It's mm-hmm. one of the things we don't get to choose. Yeah. You know, I remember I grew up in suburban Chicago, and I can't remember, kept thinking, like, well, how, you know, what kind of identity of music is that? Mm-hmm. You know, like, what is that? Like, Chicago had blues. Yeah. Um, you know, the John Prine, like, folk thing was ha- had happened, at least, but that had been years prior, like, down at the Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago. Uh, Steve Goodman, that kind of thing. Um, and there were like some local bands that were had done well, and, and then the, because the Smashing Pumpkins thing hadn't happened yet. Are they from there? Smashing Pumpkins, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. And that. Liz Fair, okay. Urge Overkill, uh, there were a whole group of bands. Uh, Material Issue. You see that 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 actually uh, uh, plays to to something else uh, about location is the weather. I feel like uh, if you're uh, from a Southern California area and where we have weather, good weather, 98% of the time, yeah. uh, it lends to a certain headspace in music. You, all, the, all the people that you just named came from places that have four months of snow. Yeah. So there's a, there's a darkness about their music. Yeah, um, or look, there's another way to look at that, though. Like the Jayhawks, to me, could only have come from Minneapolis. It's very open. It's flat. There's a lot of musical space. It's mm-hmm. well constructed, but it has to be able to withstand like crappy weather. Or from our artists you know? from the Rust Belt, or, yeah. or any you know working yeah, class. Yeah, you hear Alice class. Cooper, and you can yeah, there's, you hear that. There's all yeah. kinds of. But so I I would say that if there's a the weather probably has a lot to do with uh, a lot of the music that did come out of L.A. because I think it's more of a fun in the sun sort yeah. of attitude, which is you know. Definitely in keeping with my space. No, I'm yeah. a dark cloud. I know it. <laughs> uh, well, this, this, that's going to come back around a little later. Uh, I don't uh-huh. want to get into it right now because I want to get to some other stuff. That first, I'm a but, dark cloud. Uh, well, that too. That's, that's going to be the, the theme, Christian. Uh, no, I want to get back around the, the good vibrations thing that you guys do. <laughs> uh-huh. But that yeah. I don't want to talk. We're going to save that for later. A little okay. bit of a teaser. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say, you know, mentioned before the whole sunset strip thing that you kind of mm. went and did part of. It's an interesting time to even mention that having just lost Lemmy. Oh, yeah. Right, and having just announced a few weeks ago that uh, Guns and Roses are such as they are, are reuniting. It's for all of them, right? Some kind of thing. Well, I sort of ran with those guys cursorily right yeah. at the beginning of it. You know, uh, mm. uh, my first girlfriend went to Fairfax High, right. okay. and uh, and uh, I'm, so I met a guy there, uh, uh, my friend Ronnie Schneider, who was uh, in Slash's first band, right. Titus Sloan. So so we kind of crossed yeah. paths as well. I don't really have a horse in that race. I wasn't the biggest fan of of that mm-hmm. like that was kind of like that funny little wave or big wave that happened between hair metal and the grunge thing mm-hmm. mm. i mean i mean i've got friends who to this day lament the end of the hair metal movement like usually yeah. they're girls like they really miss really that. they miss like the happy which is funny because it's like the music is so ridiculously sexist yeah but the well if we didn't listen to rock and roll based on 
<laughs> I mean, if right. you couldn't but listen see, to Rolling Stone, that, you couldn't listen to. Uh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. go ahead. Oh, well, I was going to say that just goes directly to what I was talking about the L.A. scene of that right. kind of music. Right, right, right. It was and it was full party all the time. Right. Yeah. And I think the 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 real inventors of that particular movement were Van Halen. Well, of and course, they, and they were just. Absolutely, and the kings, as far as I'm concerned, absolutely, yeah. because they could actually play. And they're such a great party um, band. Yeah, to they, this to this day, did you happen to see that Eddie Van Halen thing that was on the Smithsonian? I did. It came out fact, last I year. Did, yes. you know, and all 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 band drama aside, because I don't care about any of that stuff. Right. Uh, to this very day, I mean, I I love Van Halen and what he does. I lucked into some free tickets, got to see him do a reunion oh, thing last cool. summer, and it was great. I missed. Michael Anthony, mm. the kid who is not Michael Anthony, did fine. Wolfie's all right. He's fine. He's fine. He's, he's fully functional. I miss Michael Anthony, though, so the one thing that's missing is that. But the, the key thing about Van Halen is and will always be for me is the fact that he did what he did with a grin, which was something that mm-hmm. other people, it was every, every while, everyone else was yep. scowling. Yep. Everyone else was angry. Everyone yep. else was... Don't I mean, get me started on the antihero. You know, but he his whole thing, and plus... It fit in with his tonalities because a lot of his tonalities were major key. Mm-hmm. He wasn't afraid yeah. to put major thirds into a heavy rock Absolutely tune. He was not. for me that was like the maybe Jimmy Page a little bit. That's the first guy that ever really did that. But to bring it full circle, you know, talking about how the girls sort of lament those eighties days. You look at you know they get to dress in their big hair and they check it together. It's true. It's a lot of a lot of uh, regalia and pompery. It, it was big fashion, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and and it was. What well, was the kind of fashion that that Women and men embraced that was was makeup and hair. I mean, certainly the grunge was a fashion too, but it it just you got wasn't to play as, dress up. You yeah, got to yeah. play dress up in yeah, that in that situation, yeah. which can only be fun, you know. Yeah. But it was never me because I never felt like I wanted to be something that I wasn't, uh, you know. And I saw these saw these guys. You can you can also segue into into. Uh, decline of the Western civilization too. See, that's where I. Well, no, I was decline one because yeah, well, I was a punker. Yeah. Someday, surface uh, pictures no. are going to surface no. of you with the big black mo- mohawk. No. no. Yes, I can't will. wait to see those. Let's let's play a song. Like we were. Yeah, like, yeah. I can tell right away this episode's going to be like seven hours long. <laughs> we'll do our best to keep it under five if I can. So, uh, Cersei Link is my guest. Whether wingman, I am calling you that all night, all days. While well, you are wingman. Uh, well, sir, uh, I'm, I'm her partner in life and crime and home exactly. and love and, and music and food and we just all yeah. of it. Yeah, well, she, perfect she, wingman. That's exactly what it is. she's my own balance. Uh, <laughs> her old man. <laughs> I my see. Man. All right. Uh, so you've got uh, the most recent record. Is this is a title that I'm going to screw up if I try to say it? So it's you, called please. "Birds' Amazing Odyssey and the Meaning of Tea." Okay, so there we go. And the song for this is going to be "Invisible Man." Okay, yeah. Cersei Link with Christian Nesmith on Independence Day.
My name is Joe Armstrong. You're listening to Independence Day. Thank you ever so much for doing so. We come to you every other Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time or Daylight Time, as the case may be. Uh, it's winter time. I never like winter. Do you guys like winter? I do. I Even love in this all town, the seasons. I, don't like winter. It's I so love funny. seasons. Yeah, well, no, I like, I like the idea. I hear of you seasons. say that on the show a lot. Yeah. And I've almost, well, I've downloaded the uh, Dandelion Wine, but I haven't read it yet. Oh, it's, yeah, it's my favorite book. Yeah. Still, it's funny because people from who know me from back in Chicago say, so You live in LA. What do you got to complain about? And it's actually not complaining about the weather is fine. The weather's great. Yeah, yeah. It's not the weather I'm complaining about, it's, it's darkness. Like I, I like the long yeah. with you on that. I, I, I am definitely there. with you. I on like that. the yeah. long days, mm-hmm. and, and it's fine. I get by. I can survive winter. I know how to do it. This is nothing. This is not a winter. This yeah. is. I just posted the other day on the Instagrams and the medias of the digital thing that like uh, uh, w- winter in Los Angeles is for lovers of autumn. Yes, because that's really what it is. Like yeah. people who say they like seasons should come here because autumn is you know the best season, mm. and yeah. this is what we get all Spring. the time. I prefer spring because I like. Well, that. I prefer summer. Summer is my favorite. Not in Los Angeles. Everywhere, summer is always my favorite. That's too hot. Uh, easy, easy. But uh, <laughs> but but fall is Wait the second. best season. <laughs> it's my show. I'm on the marquee. Okay, you mind me? I kid. I kid. All right. All so right. let's. No, uh, Cersei Link, fine. Christian Nesmith are my guests, co-guests. They they co kind of co-front a band. She does the singing. He does other stuff. Let's talk about. I want to talk about how, what your working relationship is like mm. musically. But first, I want to hear how you two met because it, it's it's. I feel like it's a kind of a. It's always an interesting thing when people are romantically and creatively involved with each other. You Her know, version of the story makes me look not as. Cool. We won't even talk about my version. Cersei, <laughs> <laughs> so you start. I want to hear what your your perception of. This. I. Um, was looking for a guitar player. I didn't come to music until very late in this life, so I was just kind of dabbling and had written a few songs and thought, oh, it'd be kind of fun to record What were you doing them. before that? Art. I was a painter. And I had written some poetry and, uh, you know, fancied myself an indoor artist. I really was not one to share my art with anybody. Um, so and then I started hearing these songs in my head, and a friend said, oh, yeah, you should record those. Those are pretty good. Uh, so I got his number from a friend, and uh, called him up and asked him if he would uh, play some pedal steel. And he said, well, I don't do that. I'll get you a number. And uh, he called me back and gave me a number. And I said, well, can I send you my demo? And he said, nah, that's cool. <laughs> so not <laughs> No, he said, that's not really my bag. I don't, I'm not really, I'm a lot of projects, not super interested. <laughs> the underlying thing is I had just gotten out of a, of a band for five years. It was all acoustic based. Yeah. And my first love is, as we were talking about, is is Zeppelin and Aerosmith and Van Halen. And I'm a hard rock guitar player. Turn it up, baby. That's what I do the best. Um, So after being in another band that was all acoustic, I was like, man, I just don't want to do that I also got to say, I don't blame you. Some random chick calls you up and says, (laughs) I'm doing some some kind of country-ish, Patsy Cline type thing. Do you want to be in my band? I, I... I mean, that doesn't sound very unique. I, I I can't say that I would say no right out of the box, but you know, it's not that interesting. But she persevered and finally got a uh, got a. Uh, I don't take her, no for an answer. A three song CD into my mailbox, and I put it on, and it was uh, the real deal. Instantly, I was like, "Oh, okay, now I see what's going on." Because well, and I had some very good players yeah. on that record. And they, I thought all players were that good, by the way. We can talk about that later. But, but I, that I didn't matter that. because I could see through to the songs, the, the, the core of the songs, the quality of her voice. Uh, and the picture on the front didn't hurt hey. that much. Hey. Um, hey. And, uh, and, and then the next thing that happened is I just called her up and said, look, uh, 
you know, I don't know if I'm right for this band, but you're the real deal. And if there's anything I can do to help, you mm -hmm. let me know. And the next thing you know, we've, we're talking practically every day on the phone for over an hour, mm -hmm. just talking, yep. just hanging out. And uh, it blossomed from there. And because she was living 40 miles away from me, there wasn't... Uh, it, it yeah, wasn't. in LA, that's a lifetime. People. Oh yeah, yeah. That, that he, might as well be. Yeah. You Forget know, about uh, it. Georgia. Uh, yeah. So there. So we spent so much time on the phone. I got to know her, her heart, her intellect, her spirituality, all of those, those things that are the most important. And you know, it didn't hurt that she was beautiful and 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 oh, as loving and, and generous as she is. Uh, and and uh, so I felt basically I fell in love with her on the phone. Yeah. So. Yeah, before we even met, it was nice. So, from your perspective, you you pitch this guitar player at like a what you know what point do you figure out you know he's kind of cute like what what, what <laughs> he's kind of well cute. I didn't what? I thought he was cool on the phone I had never seen him so okay. I think the first time we actually saw each other he said oh, there used to be this place in Hollywood called Highland Grounds that uh, just was such a great music community I mourn it all the time because I came in at the last gasp of it. And Christian would go every Wednesday for the open mic, and he said, "Why don't you come up to the open mic, and we'll hang out, we'll have dinner, I'll introduce you to first some people." Time you saw me face yeah, to face? yeah, that's really? the very first time. So um, I thought he was great. And, so yeah, now the, so then the musical thing and the romantic thing kind of happened simultaneously at the same time. Yeah, yeah. okay. I was I, still recording my first record. I only had the three songs, uh, three demos that I had done. And uh, that's what I sent to him. So I recorded the rest of the songs without him. And then he helped to master it and added, I think on one song we added Christopher on the drums and Michael Sherwood on the piano. Well, she also started uh, spending a lot of time at my house. And I've always had a hey. recording rig at, <laughs> at my house. So it was only natural that, you know, we're sitting around, hey, let's record that song right now you yeah. know because the first it. song we actually recorded together was black wings it's true yeah it's true i remember writing that. these these things with the relationships and the musical relationships i think that's a very fascinating territory mm -hmm. for me because i've had it be really good in my life and i've had it burn me like an exploding rocket oh, in my life and so i'm gun shy about doing that um but i think it's really really great when people get it to work out like there's the uh there's the funny story buddy and julie miller yeah you know, married couple yeah. nashville uh I love the Buddy Miller and yeah, the Julie I love too. That record. But they were living, I think, in Austin when they met, and she, you know he auditioned as kind of like your situation, auditioned as the guitar player for the band, and she didn't want to hire him. Oh, really? Which is funny to think about. It is amazing. You know, I don't know. Maybe he's an amazing guitar player. I'm sure he probably was then too. But for whatever reason, she didn't think it worked, and now they're married. What are you going to do? You know? Well, I think that it's pretty rare for. Uh, two partners that are in love to create together. I don't know why. I know a lot of musicians that are partners. And, I, and I, when I meet them, I'm all excited. I'm like, hey, do you write with your, your partner or your husband? And, oh, no, we can't do that. I just don't understand why. When I, I think if I, if I took all the parts, took it all apart, I would say that it's because we so very much want to please our partner, and we don't want that criticism from our partner. We don't yeah. have this the, is the negative reason. Yeah, yeah. I, and I think it's the, yeah, exactly the negative yeah. reason. But I learned really early on not to be too precious about my songs because right. I very write key word that precious. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I write a lot. I write all the time. I write songs I don't even like. I will wake up with a song that sounds like the most 
country pop thing. Why am I, why is this in my mind? But I'll just write it and get it out. So when I sat down to write with Christian or Michael Sherwood, those are really the first two people I ever did any co-writing with. Um, if they said, I'm not really into that line, I didn't fold. I was like, okay, screw it. Let's move on. I'll try this line. Well, how about this line? Or how about that line? Yeah. Or how about this melody? And, um, Knowing that you're writing with someone, maybe that's the deal. I always think of myself musically as an inferior. So I do. <laughs> I, I mean, ridiculous, but okay. But as far as theory, I don't know the theory that you know. Um, I want to work with well, people that both. are better than me. So right, right, yeah, they, I learn from them. So to a degree, I'm going to take their opinion and say, okay, is that, does that resonate with me? Does that really work for me? When you're sitting down across the table from each other with, you know, an acoustic guitar and a pad of paper. And when you come up with, when you're working on the nucleus, you've got to have trust with the guy you're sitting, yeah. across, sitting yeah. across from for Poor them girl. to be able to say to you, eh, dude, that's not really working. And say, okay, instead of, ooh. You or, know? And you yeah. have to have enough trust to say, you know what? I know you don't dig that, but just live with it for a minute. You're going you're gonna to yeah. see. Let me, let me lay it all out for you. You're going to get it. I think one of the reasons I think it's such a delicate situation with romant, romance and like the artistic relationship is mm -hmm. because in some ways that artistic thing even goes deeper into our souls than our relationships do. Sure. Because our relationship exists up here, you know, and we take it into our heart. It's, it's our partner. But at the end of the day, it's still you. You know, you're still two people existing within the framework of a relationship. So that art that starts with you is very, very deep. And I think it is easy to get precious about those kinds mm -hmm. of things because it is so very deep. And that's why we art is so great. Yeah. It's because it's, it's, it, it's our innermost things that we then try to kind of bring farther up to the surface and then big, become a big thing for everyone and then share it with the common experience. Yeah. I, I so actually, people, but that's a very risky thing for people. Well, I actually don't necessarily agree with that. I think that there, there was certain, uh, there was a time in my life where I was forced to do some growth. Uh, personal growth. Uh, and one of the things that we as artists tend to hang on to is our art identifying us. Mm -hmm. We are who we are, uh, who, uh, we are what our art is. So, you know, it's not, it's, it's not uncommon that you see somebody wearing their chosen regalia of whatever style or period they came out of. Um, and it was an important aspect of my own personal growth to know that I am not what I do. That is not who defines me. What what defines me is my honor and my integrity and my love and my generosity to other people. The art only can flow from that. Uh, you know, if I'm a jerk, then I'm gonna write jerk songs. But if I'm if I'm a decent guy, then my my songs I feel will tend to reflect that as well. Yeah. So. But I mean, I guess I, I'm not disagreeing, but I mm. will say that I think that those, I think those things aren't mutually exclusive necessarily. That's no, right. I know a lot of jerks who can, can write some good songs. Part of your, <laughs> the deepest part of your soul without defining you. No, I'm, I'm, I was just engaging in, in, in classic conversational yeah. style where I say something opposite to you. Of course. <laughs> you did a good job. <laughs> Opposition is important. Tension but and relief. I don't know Tension about, about the deep thing in your soul. I think that... Uh, a, to touch on writing as a, um, I generally don't write songs about myself. I'm generally writing about archetypes or stories. I think of it much more as a storyteller. Right. So uh, I love the Charles Bukowski quote. Um, is it the Charles Bukowski quote? The poem? No, maybe it's not. But anyway, the quote, uh, the poem is not the poet. Um, I'm not what I write. Sometimes I am. Um, but... 
Can you imagine if Stephen King it was what he wrote? Oh my gosh, <laughs> maybe he is, and we don't know it. It's so fun that that particular. Let's let's talk about. It. Let's play a song mm. first and come yeah, back sure, and talk sure. about that. Remind me because there's a very. I have lots of really specific, interesting thoughts about that. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to see what yours are. Uh, what's this first live song? You guys have brought in like a thousand people. A thousand. Um, it's called Hell of a Good Man. No, no, I think it's called yeah. Sorrow for Three. Actually, oh, Heavens to Betsy. It sure is. It's Sorrow for Three. Don't okay, so the first song, yes, is number one. It's Sorrow for Three. Yes. Yeah. And so this is this goes back a while and or ways. I think it's career, off right? of the third record. Third record one yeah. How many records Poison. do you have total now, honey? Uh, it's eight, <laughs> eight, eight original eight-ish. albums. And There's a live album. One live and in one Japan. Live album, an EP. And, we're, and we're about to release a cover. There's record a poppy as well. P. Okay. And a poppy P. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. We got a lot of material. A poppy P. Poppy, poppy. P. Okay, Key. cool. So this is Cersei Link <laughs> with Christian Nesmith, accompanied by. Let's mention all these folks too because they're fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cersei Christian, of course. Uh, Storm Road the fourth. I love saying that. Oh, so cool! One of my favorite guitar players I ever played with was Michael Babinchak the third. His son is now Michael Babinchak the fourth. So Great. I, like you're kind of locked into that. What are you going to do? Stop the chain? The Storm's well, lead... got a son who's the fifth. Yeah, and our lead guitar player before was a guy named Bart Ryan. Man, the, the fifth. fifth. If you're going to do, you got to just keep that going. <laughs> you know, but where are you going to run out of Roman numerals sooner or later? Uh, Jason Chesney on bass, Christopher Alice on percussion, Laura Drew and Rachel Wolf on lovely, lovely vocals. So this is Cersei Link and her band. On Independence Day. This song is called Sorrow for Three. A one, a two, a three. He loves her and I love him. She thinks I am just a friend. Two for lies, but one for truth, and it's sorrow for three. Friday they go shooting pool. Jukebox, I'm his fool One big joke, but twice as cruel And it's sorrow for three This time it's one more round of sympathy Bartender, make it fast, oh can't you see Well my number's coming up, but he's calling me On my way I know he's no good They say But I choose sorrow Sorrow anyway Two times gone, I've got sorrow for three. Well, maybe. 
apart If they do, I'll be on guard Two wrongs could make one thing right Till then it's sorrow for three Well, this time it's one more round of sympathy Bartender, make it fast, oh, can't you see? Cersei Link with Christian Nesmith and their giant band on Independence Day. That sounds great. <laughs> we were Thank you. Fun so we much it. fun. So well, much fun. They're our family. I want to talk about arranging in a minute, but first I want to talk about what we were we were kind of getting at right before that song, which is like the the, the artist and the art, like where, yeah. where that rubber meets the road. And you know, where for every artist it's a little bit different. Like where is that kernel of truth? Because it's just like every actor, there's a kernel of themselves in that part they play. That's what mm-hmm. they're trying to find. Like they get all again, there's that precious word again, maybe uh, the method or finding that center or finding your version of that. Maybe it's an evil character, but like where is that evil in you that makes that character real? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I think of you know, we, you know, we think of people like Steve Earle, or, uh, well, Steve Earle, and we think of people like Keith Richards. Like when Keith, when Mick and Keith sing about being in the basement room with a needle and a spoon, they mm-hmm. were actually mm-hmm. probably at one point in a basement room with a needle and spoon. But it doesn't have to be that way yeah. to be valid. You know, Steve Earle lived through a lot of stuff, and it comes out in his music, and it gives it credence. But like not everyone, like Tom Waits doesn't hang out with dwarves. <laughs> Are you, you know? sure? Yeah, pretty sure. I mean, I know some <laughs> folks who live right where he does up in, in Santa Rosa area. And, you know, he's a kooky guy. He's got his certain his patterns. But, like, you can't... Some people couldn't possibly be as weird as they as they portray themselves as being. Yeah. Some people definitely are. But, like, where where does that line between, like, credibility as an artist, where the, where the artist and the art differ, or where's that kernel? What I mean, for you personally, like, if you're writing a song about a bastard... Like, do you go to the part of your soul that's a bastard and say, and then let I that person live and breathe and then go with that? I agree with Picasso. I think everything is essentially a self-portrait. Okay. Yeah, that's so, what I'm getting at. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so while Though I might... you don't write songs about yourself. That's right. I don't... Um, I, I. And that's the turn. That's exactly what I'm getting at. Yeah. That's this, that, little, that little turn. Yeah. I love my fellow songwriters. I love to sit down and co-write. I love talking about the process. I find that I'm often on the outside because most of the songwriters that I know are sitting down and uh, expositionally telling a story about something that they went through. Right. And maybe they're doing it with a beautiful turn of phrase or a metaphor that I can appreciate. But as a topic, as topics go, I find a lot of songwriters to be pretty limited. And so I- They wind up singing their diary. Yeah. You know, and that's that, that does that only goes so far. Well, and also we have so many records. I've written billions of not billions, hundreds of poems. We have so many records. I've said a lot of stuff and told a lot of stories. So maybe it's because I've had the ability to stretch out like that and exhaust some of those right. great uh, classic themes that I'm looking for more to say. Uh, but even from the first record, I would I wrote a song. My first song is called Three Bells, and it's about a love triangle. And I've never been in a situation like that, but it's it's classic story. Right. So I wanted to illustrate that. Um, but 
I think I had to put myself into the perspective of each character in order to uh, fully illustrate the lyrics and the song and to come up with the storyline like a writer would. And then you follow that line of thinking uh, eight albums later and you get something like our our last record, which is uh, Bird's Amazing Odyssey and the Meaning of Tea. And it is a concept record. It has a full story that goes yeah, with it's, it. It's linear and, it, and it's, it's supposed to, it has a full arc as a, a not only sonically uh, and from song to song, but as a story as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, uh, that's just the growth of of, a, of an artist. Uh, yeah. Uh, and I think one of the, you know, one of the greats is somebody like uh, Andy Partridge. That's what I was going to say. I'm totally school of Andy Partridge. From XTC, yeah, yeah. Who's, who's the master of metaphor uh, oh to place himself in some, I, you know, I don't know a lot, but uh, so how do I say that? I'm the mayor of Simpleton. Right. But I do know I love you. And and so he comes up with this great little metaphor and then just ends it up with, but I do know that I love you. And he's yeah. writing about right. a classic trope, a classic, it's a love song, but he brings all this other uh, beautiful uh, imagery to it and he's coming at it from such an unusual angle. You've never heard that before. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And I will, to this end, to this point, like I love a lot of different writers and a lot of mm-hmm. different music for a lot of different reasons. And I think they can all be great in yeah. their own way. Totally. Right? The simplest idea, first person, intrapersonal things mm-hmm. can be, that's what I, I guess what I'm saying is to back up even a little bit more. That's what I love so much about music is it's like the ultimate tabula rasa. Yeah. It's a living art form, living, breathing, changing. It can be a pre recorded thing or it can be a live thing or some crazy combination of the two. And it's always evolving. And those, I don't even judge because I aspire to be Towns Van Zant, Steve, uh, you know, Tom Waits, Steve Earl, guys who can write these amazing story songs. Mark Knopfler assumes a character better than so many other people. He just, mm-hmm. and plus he can assume a gruff character. And it's not him, but he can do that. And it mm-hmm. sounds totally believable. Um, but then other people, like I, this is the second time this has come up already this year. But like for me, it's like the Uncle Tupelo balance. You had Jeff Tweedy, who almost all his songs to this very day, he's the guy in Wilco now, okay. um, are here. You know, it's interpersonal, things between people and experimental and like doing the Bowie thing where you chop up letters and words and oh, just sure. reassemble Me. them. But it's, but it's usually, but it's here. The view is small, not to say that that's a bad thing. It's not sure. a judgment call. Sure, sure. Jay Farrar, the other singer and let writer. The, let the listeners know that you were just gesticulating your arms right here <laughs> in front of you. Yeah. So yeah. it just encompass, encompass yeah, something. Yeah, this is my Santa Claus belly right here. <laughs> right, okay. So uh, it's just there, right in front of Jeff Tweedy's songwriting is Santa Claus belly. We're not allowed to gesticulate on the radio. It doesn't, you know. Jay, <laughs> this is a podcast. I can do what I want. Okay. Jay Farrar, uh, the other singer from that band who went on to form Sunvolt, it's worldview. The guy's like a seer. Macrocosm, microcosm. Yeah. Sure. But neither one is right or wrong. Neither yeah. one is good or bad. Absolutely. But both can be done well and crappily yeah. is the thing. I love it all. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that, I, uh, gosh, this is something that I really got angry about the other day. Um, I posted that I wanted to get into Springsteen because oh, yeah. I didn't know anything about him. Uh, he's been around forever. And I thought, you know what? I need to know more about this and person. And people worship that guy. Right. There must be a reason, And there's right? also a ton of haters. Right. And I really just, I felt, I wanted to cry about it. How many great musicians that I know of that responded in my thread, oh, don't even start with Springsteen. Oh, you're better off without. And I just thought, you know what? You're, your jaded, snarky, aren't I cool thing is just ugly. And music is brilliant and beautiful. And if you don't get that person's, 
rock on. I don't need you to get it. But you, but I think there's a bit of a, uh, I'm too cool for school and I don't do that kind of music because my music is better. It just strikes at the center of this whole nationalist sports idea, religion, my team, your team crap. And it made me so angry. Yeah. And uh, I love reading um, biographies and autobiographies. And I was reading... Um, Ray Charles' autobiography, yeah. and the story about when uh, Quincy was young, Quincy Jones was hanging around Ray Charles and learning. He snuck his way into that band at 14 years yeah. old. Yeah, and he was, you know, just hanging out, learning, and he was trashing some kind of music or something, or, or maybe not trashing, but disparaging, saying, well, I'm not really into that, and Ray Charles said, you got to see the soul in everything. You don't yeah. like rap? Well, okay, but look for the soul. You don't like uh, polka? Okay, look for the soul because it's there. If you're not on the couch critiquing and you're going to get up and you're going to write your polka song, I am. I got your back. I'm with right. you. And if you're Springsteen or you're Easy e I got you. You yeah. know, that's yeah. so important. Everybody should be able to have that. Let's do this. Before we jump in, Christian, okay. let, me, let me interrupt real quick. I want to put a question out there and then I want you to just play a song. We'll come back. We'll talk about that okay. question. And that question is, don't answer it now. Do you think there's such a thing as good music or bad music? Mm. And while you're thinking about that, let's play a live song. What's the next one going to be? This one actually is going to be Hell of a Good Man. Hell of a Good Man. Wee haw. Yeah. All right. Cersei Link, Christian Nesmith, Hell of a Good Man on Independence Day. Listen, ladies. Out of here and all your candy coated cries. I'd rather eat my dinner dining on a bucket of dirt. Spend one precious moment with just one of those jerks. I'd rather crawl through glass, set my hair on fire. Well, now, sister, maybe there ain't no payoff when your race off says a drag. drag. You've been behind him with the shovel every step of the track. And when you're all but finished, you'll be smooching that ass. Now, someone must have dropped you on your head. So I'll tell you what my mama always said It takes a hell of a good man To be my mister right It takes a hell of a sweet man To see me every night It takes a hell of a good man To be better than no man at all Queen. 
you don't think that I don't understand But I would rather stick a red hot poker right in my eyes Than wonder which is bigger, his IQ or shoe size I'd rather lick hot wise or play Russian roulette Why? Because it takes a hell of a good man To be my Mr. Right It takes a hell of a sweet man To see me every night It takes a hell of a good man To be better My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. And I really, really do mean that from the bottom of my heart. All these musicians give of their time, uh, not just to us, not just to our audience, but to everybody. And music is a, it's a hard road to hoe. So this week's guests, Cersei Link, Christian Nesmith, no exception to that. Thank you so much. Who are you calling a hoe? It's, a, it's, it's an honor. It really is an honor. You guys are busy. You guys have stuff to do. We're trying. And anyway. so do you. So we Come respect that so as it's, well. It's fantastic. I've so, listened to a number of your shows, and I think oh, they're all excellent. Flattery will get you everywhere, well, Cersei Link. Thank I'm you trying. so very much. Uh, it's, an honor. It's, it's great to have you on the show. It's great. I, it's, I feel like this is a family. Like everybody I bring in here, because it's in my yeah. house. Yeah. yeah. And like I, I want With Dorothy like, June. You know, Dorothy. June, my research assistant over there napping as usual, holding up the couch, keeping the couch from floating <laughs> off into space. Totally. Um, so thank you once again for coming in. So I posed a question before we jumped into that song. Great song, again, by Thanks. the way. Fantastic. The band is hot as always. Killer. Aren't they good? Even Great at players. this hour. We are so lucky at, yeah, right at nine o'clock in the morning that they just can still kill it. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, the question was because this came up. Uh, GQ did a feature very, very recently, featuring like the, the new like three kings of like alt country, which are Chris Stapleton, who racked up a bunch of stuff at the Country Awards not too terribly long ago. Jason Isbell, who I'm a huge fan of, and uh, Sturgill Simpson. I have All no three idea of these guys making big are. waves wow. in that world, and they're okay. great because it's a very authentic type of songwriting. It's great. It's about time. And um, and in the interview, you know, Isbell, what my favorite of the three was quoted as, or Isbel, as they say in the, in the North Alabama vernacular, is, you know, said, you know, he's like, I don't believe that all music is good. And I think that's a question that's it's hotly debated mm. because there's one way, in one play, good way you could approach that is like, well, everyone's trying, everyone's making art. How can you ever say that any art is bad? And that could go for any art. Are there bad paintings? Are there bad songs? Are there bad whatever? Um, I mean, I know what I think about it, but what are your thoughts on this? Honey? Oh, well, she pitches. She, she, yeah. she passes. Punt. <laughs> well, no, I've definitely got things to say about it. Um, you know, I worked a long time learning how to play my my instrument. I learned, I, uh, I worked a long time learning how to write a song and how to record that song and uh, how to mix that song. I learned a lot. Uh, it took a long time to learn how to perform that song in front of people. So when you look for quantifiers that are like that are good and bad uh you know you can you can reduce it down to timing and tuning you can say you know is that guy grooving mathematical is, is his guitar in tune and then you have people like Ingve Malmsteen uh, and then you can take that way <laughs> way too far where Not you so know much. yeah they're in tune they're in time they're they're uh, and they've got no soul and then you go to the uh, other side of the of the spectrum you know something like i don't know and i've i've been, never been 
drawn to this kind of music, but, uh, uh, you know, something like Pixies, who are, you know, very raw and... Uh, and intentionally noisy. And mm-hmm. intentionally noisy. And, and, but they're loaded with soul. You know, they may not play very well. They may not know the, you know, why that that's a, you know, a flat 13 chord. Uh, but they mean it. They yeah. mean the hell out of it. So... I really think that it's a balancing act between the two. I mean, personally... But is there I, an answer to that for you personally? Is there bad music? Is there bad music? Um, I think that bad music is going to be... Uh, it's going <laughs> it's it's to fit that definition when you not only can't play, but you also have no soul. Uh, so does uh, punk have soul? For you, because punk seems to me of, of all the musical genres, the one that is most about emotion and sucking is almost an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, well, that, I don't. Or I can don't, be at least. I don't necessarily hold with sucking on purpose. That's just not. But that's that. I think that more goes to the ear. Uh, you know, we can cross over into the discussion of of whether rap is actually music. Uh, you know, you put one teeny little beat and one little synthesizer line, and then somebody reads his poetry over it. Is that music? It's art. I definitely yeah. No chordal structure whatsoever. No melody. No harmony. Yeah, it's art, and I'll and I will completely back that. But I don't know. You know, I look for great chord changes in melody with a wonderful turn of phrase. I think that that is the high bar that what we're all looking for. Well, what I'm looking for anyway. I don't think it's a question that can really be answered. I think it's cool to start a dialogue over, but I think it's up to the individual to make that distinction. Well, that's, that's, I'm asking you specifically. For you, for example, you were a painter, you were an artist, visual artist before you were a musician. Are there bad paintings? There's paintings I don't like, and there's music I don't like, uh, but I like the people that are out there doing it because they have the... uh, the ingenuity and the tenacity to fight the inertia that <laughs> is out there yeah. for the creatives. So, I mean, man, there's tons of stuff out there that I, I don't find to be uh, executed well or written very well, but if they uh, are out there doing it, I have to be yeah. supportive of it. doesn't mean I like it. Yeah. So, I, I, I guess know. what I'm getting at is I, when I, having read the article with Isabel, I yeah. admired his courageousness in saying flat out, there's such a thing as bad music. There are just like there are bad cars, sure. there are bad, there are poorly constructed faucets, there are poorly built houses, yeah. there are poorly executed. Now again, yeah, you got ev- so many more factors that you have to include when you're when you're right. You're everyone's, with but music. that's but that's the beauty of this conversation yeah. is how you assess whether or not that's even well. A it's the art in the is in the eye of the beholder. Argument. For instance, I don't care for modern country music at all. That that sort of you know, uh, Def Leppard with a pedal steel, Def Leppard with fiddles. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't go. And and there's no substance to it. It's a, it's the let's go out on the back of my pickup truck and you know and fool around and get drunk underneath the stars. Great writers making that stuff. uh, That seems to be the the title. Right. And uh, caught on. There's zero bro country. Bro country. Yeah, bro country. And and there's no substance to it. Yeah. There's no. There's, but there's it is a, if I may, um, there's that Dennis music, Miller's here. I don't want to go off on a rant here. But. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, uh, all I was going to say is that I don't think that that music is going to be remembered 10, 10 years from now. 
20 years from now. Yeah. I sit there and I listen to my classic rock radio and I go, this stuff is still around 50, 55 years later. Here we are listening to The Beatles and it sounds just as good and just as fresh. We're listening to Cream and Who and The Kinks and Led Zeppelin and Hendrix and on and on and on of yeah. those incredible musicians who meant every single bit of it. And it wasn't commercial and it wasn't phony. I wouldn't say that it wasn't commercial. It wasn't intentional. I think it wasn't commercial. built to be commercial. That's what I mean. That's what but I mean. But it was most certainly no, commercial. No, no, I mean... So, okay, here's, here's... Okay, to play devil's advocate to my devil's advocate to my devil's advocate, what do you think of the Eagles? Which is a band mm. that... So funny. That see, That's people so funny. Seem, Speaking of social media. People seem to think... some there are, There is a large group of people who think the Eagles who are designed to be commercial. Whereas people like Graham Parsons... Uh, you know, you know, invented cosmic American music. This blend between country and rock. But Actually, then the Eagles, some people say Michael Nesmith created. Cosmic right. Well, exactly. American. Your dad. You know, there's lots yeah. of people who have yeah. a part to play in this, right? You yeah. know, uh, and there's a lot of places you can draw back. You know, draw the line back. Yeah. But but then there's a large group of people who think the Eagles merely did it for the money. But is it good? They sure did it good. You know, it's really easy to say that somebody did it for the money after they made all the money. Right. Right? You know, as far as I'm concerned, the, the, you know, the, the Eagles were, you know, just a, a, a bunch of a bunch of guys who were who were uh, happened to sing great and write really good songs and people recognized it and yeah. and drove those songs you know i mean it wasn't it wasn't for the sake of being it sure there was excess and sure there was you know by the time you get to hotel california they're talking about it themselves it's like when we anyone becomes a cash cow in anything yeah that's when you know per intrapersonal relationships start failing and when those break down and then you plus you factor a bunch of money and drugs on top of it you pile all that stuff on top of it it's going to break down yeah there's the classic Any system's going to break down there's the classic the american st- system yep is breaking down yeah. for yep. the very same yeah, reason i mean there's the story about michael jackson after thriller having 50 million you know uh, on his mirror 50 million copies that's what that's the new record to break it wasn't about uh, he lost his way as far as yeah. i'm concerned but before then he released Thriller and Off the Walls, like yeah. incredible landmark albums. Yeah. So did th- he sell out? Who's to say? Who's to say? I don't know. I, I, th- go, th- I don't think, I was thinking about this the other, we actually are writing a musical and- uh, What aren't you doing? Um, playing <laughs> pool. I cannot play pool to save my life. And the concept of the musical, it's, it's a Faustian story, essentially. And it's about a musician selling out. But that doesn't happen, really, anymore. That uh, opportunity to sell out. I mean, if somebody comes up to the average musician listening and says, hey, can I license your song for $50,000? We're going to sell some cat food. You're probably going to say yes. Yeah, You're the, probably the, the not going to say... The paradigm has wholly changed in so, that So, yeah, regard. I realize this musical has to be set essentially before the 90s. Yeah. Whereas people like Springsteen, who you mentioned before, mm-hmm. Tom Waits, who I mentioned yeah. before, have sued and successfully won suits yeah. about people using their music because they did not want it to yeah. hawk any product. Yeah, yeah. Now, artists clamor, get in fights, it's and will It's one of the few ways that we can monetize. To yeah. get, well, yeah, because the revenue streams right. have dried up. Yeah. So any revenue stream that keeps you doing what you're doing is a good revenue stream. There yeah. are no bad, you know, there's no bad press and there's yeah. no bad money. <laughs> exactly. I, I don't well, know I don't that. know that the revenue streams have dried up. They're just not going through the same channels. We right. now it's need, another and, way to look at it. Yeah, and now yeah. we need to to learn how to directly access our fan base, which is something else right. we can talk about with our streaming shows and how yeah. we do that. We're but, going to talk about that in just a few sure. minutes. Okay. But yeah, I mean, you're right, but the, but the percentages have changed, right? Yeah. The, the, the amount of money 
being made in the music business has dropped dramatically. Oh, sure. And, and the book it, writing. And yeah, some of it is a result of the uh, the just the changes, mm-hmm. right? The right. streaming hasn't really been monetized properly for the artist yet mm-hmm. at all, right? Um, so there is less money being made. That's not the streaming I'm talking about, but yes, go ahead. I right. understand what you mean. Anyway, well, I was just going to get to a song, actually. I'd like okay, to play a live song. We'll come back. We'll talk. Cause you, I want to talk about the covers project. I want to talk about... You know how what's your musical universe like? How you you know how you what's your working relationship? How you arrange this stuff because this stuff is complex. Yeah. in a very refreshing way. So, but first, what's the next tune? It's called City Lights. City Lights. What, and this is the the Dumbluck record. Where is that? Is that ten years ago? Five years ago? You uh, got two thousand thirteen. Just record before last. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so relatively recent. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Cersei Link, Christian Nesmith. The track is City Lights from the Dumbluck album on Independence Day. The night is cold and 
Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith and their band comprised of the following. This is going to be a phone book list here. Okay. Storm Road the Fourth, Jason Chesney, Christopher Alice, Laura Drew, and Rachel Wolf. Great stuff. All of you. Fantastic. Yes. Good they music. Are good. good vibrations, which is I was gonna say, like literally music, like and you, when you get down to it, like all matter is vibration and all everything is vibration, mm-hmm. and we're all tied into that kind of thing, which brings us right into this next thing that we're gonna talk about right here, which is that you guys have like a covers, I'm gonna call it a project. Right, it's like when we were emailing yeah. back and forth. You're like you were, you've been doing a bunch of these. Like, tell me, how did you get started doing this? Well, we're in a group on Facebook called Theme Music that was founded by a guy named Matt Brown from a band called Uncle Green, and they had some success in the '90s, I guess it was. And long story short, Matt got married, had a couple kids, record dried up, and he found himself not making any music at all and was really frustrated about it. So he grabbed his iPhone, went out into his car in the middle of the night so he wouldn't wake up the kids, and did a cover song and posted it on Facebook. And a couple of his friends saw it and thought, oh, that's really cool. And so he thought, I'm going to invite some other friends and I'm going to pick a a theme a week and we're all going to do this uh, if they want to, of course. And uh, suddenly the community started growing and we got invited by Robbie Rist. Independence Day artist, part of the family. Exactly. And it really spurred us on to, again, the word we were talking about before, being precious, to get over ourselves and just start making some content, to grab the iPhone and get in the shower or whatever weird part of the house that looked cool with the lights off and some flashing lights, and to start making some videos. And that has grown our fan base exponentially. Yeah, it's the videos that's the that's the uh, key part of it. You yeah. know, anybody can sit around and release a song, yeah. but to to marry the uh, the visual aspect to it, uh, and quite often live. Uh, Yeah, our videos go from, you know, huge production, green screen, and cast members and locations all the way to just us sitting on the couch with one guitar. And we have probably over 90 videos now between the two of us. This would be a good opportunity to mention the fact that Independence Day has a video channel as well. Yeah. YouTube.com slash in-depth day videos is where you can drop by there. I think I've got about 50 or so, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't collection. counted. I'm, I'm so busy making them, honestly. Right. I, haven't, I, don't, I yeah. haven't had a chance to even count. I just, content, content, content. Yeah. Just push the stuff out there. You know, Absolutely. we, for better or for worse, we live in a YouTube world. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't, you know, when, when screens became, I'm just going to say free, screens of any size, screens in your pocket, screens. I think I knew we had reached like the jump the shark point 
when I was I was down at San Diego. They have fancy breweries down there. I was down there checking out some beer stuff, and I was gassing up my truck to come back to L.A. And Sarah Palin was on Oof. a screen on my gas pump. Yikes! First of all, <laughs> there's there's a number of issues here. I don't like Sarah Palin particularly. Didn't like anything that she represented. I just with those audience members, I've just lost those. Sorry, guys. Go listen to someone else's podcast. There you go. <laughs> That in some weird way, even more importantly to me, there's now a screen on my gas pump. Mm-hmm. Like, is, is what's the logical evolution of this? Is there going to be a screen on the gas pump handle? Yeah. Is there then going to be a screen when I open up my little gas hatch in we'll my in the truck to see another time. screen there? Yeah, it's in the toilet stall. It's on your wrist now. All we the can, time. It's on it's, your wrist. It's everywhere. Yeah. You know, and it's up to us. It does have an off switch. It's up to us to you know we can yeah. we can monitor ourselves theoretically yeah. at least. Um, you can take a but Sabbath. on the other side of that, it's given artists another medium, another place uh, in which to share songs and yeah. music and love. So, you, I mean, when you say you know exponentially, I mean, you're, I mean, how do you even keep track of fans nowadays? I mean, I guess it's just, is it page views, is it clicks, is it views on it's the It's a combination of all those things together. I would, I, w- I would have one point said maybe the mailing list, but mailing yeah. list because people change their emails so often now. I don't know that that's as valuable of a count. I think it has a lot to do with. Uh, Likes, but also friends, yeah. uh, Facebook type friends. You know followers. what I miss? Toad the Wet Sprocket <laughs> used to have the best mailing list. Oh, really? Because they were right at, right before the internet came. Mm-hmm. They were a band that was just big enough to be able to manage that kind of thing themselves. I'm sure they yeah. paid people; they didn't do it themselves. But they had, you know, their their management company, and they would literally send you a card at like your birthday. Oh, that's so cool! And they'd send out a card at Christmas time, an actual with actual postage. They were spending thousands. I wanted to do that this year. To send you know, out a card, and I, I love that analog aspect yeah. of what we do. You know, well, every, you can still do that. You can embrace you, a person. An artist can embrace both of those things. But yeah. I think to um, to poo poo and be grouchy about all the stuff that you have to do now with social. You know, that's part of the game. And if you don't dig it, I respect that. But you either need to hire somebody to do it for you or you need to trade out someone that does it for you. There's a way to get it done. And I know a lot of musicians, maybe it's the X-Gen musicians more than the rest, the millennials, because they're digital natives, seem to be able to embrace it pretty well. But if you you don't have the skill or the patience or the tenacity or even the the, the heart to do it there's a way to get somebody to do it for you yeah. you can ask a super fan can you run my mailing list you can ask a super fan hey I know you built yourself a site can you build me a website I'll trade you out I'll I'll record a song for your mom's birthday I'll write your mom a birthday song will you build me a website right. there's ways to do it and um, it's a, a super exciting time it's it's really easy to be overwhelmed by how much time you have to put into it but it's your it's your career it's your love you're yeah. gonna you're gonna do it anyway and if you want people to hear your music the, the onus is on you to get it out there and it's not just music too i've produced radio shows for mm-hmm. uh, radio stations oh, yeah. i'm not going to name any names but hosts who are somewhat older mm-hmm. not ancient but older and they wanted nothing to do with social media or they <laughs> didn't want to do, i mean i would manage their twitter account and i yeah. would manage their thing and i would do you know and i mean do as much as i could reasonably <laughs> but if they're not giving you content kind of tailored to that environment it makes it 10 times harder and all I could think about the whole time is you're dead in the water. Yeah. You are a dinosaur walking around after the meteor hit. Yeah. Your time, your son is, whether you and like it or not. And you're kvetching about it. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. It yeah. does, like to your point, doesn't matter, one second, doesn't matter whether you agree with it or you want to have a picture of you in your bathrobe mm-hmm. for everyone to see. It doesn't matter. If you're going to stay viable in the media world, you have to do it. That's it. 
Well, what I think it goes to is what you were talking about before is the change of the paradigm. I mean, it's essentially the crux of your show anyway. Um, and the way we've found to do it is to take it directly to our uh, our fans. I mean, and literally directly and and through social media and and uh, and further through our streaming shows. And what we do is uh, once a month we do a live streaming show. The band that you heard, we actually set up in our living room and we broadcast that out for free every every month. And uh, the fans have the opportunity to uh, just tip, just just graciously give what they can. And we make more money through their generous offerings than we ever would at a local club. Totally. Yeah. I, I mean, like, especially ten, in Los Angeles, in La- which is, yeah. which is a terrible or New York. environment. I say this all the time. People who listen to the show elsewhere, like they don't really get it. No. I've lived mm-hmm. in multiple yeah, cities, right. multiple time zones, played yeah. in all around the world of all the places I've ever been. And again, I love Los Angeles. Robbie, mm. don't listen right now. Plug yours <laughs> for the next five seconds. Los Angeles sucks. If you are a live musician trying to make a living in live yeah. music, yeah. you yeah. can't, it you sure, have to do it elsewhere. It sure yeah. You can get a lot of beer and wine for free. Yeah. Well, you know, I have three rules when it comes to playing a show, whether it's myself or for someone else. There needs to be A, a large an audience of uh-huh. some kind, B, free drinks, or C, money. Yeah. It can be one of those three things. The free drinks is less of a big issue for me. I don't really care. Yeah. I don't need free drinks, and they're not that expensive anyway. But at least if they give you a beer, at least you got a beer out of the deal. Yeah, yeah. At a minimum, right? Well, what, what I think is really important that we're doing with these streaming shows is is appealing to the new intellect of the uh, of, of the fan. Because we're streaming live, uh, there's also chat that we have going on at the same time that right. we as a band can read in the middle of the song, which you can't do. If somebody shouted out, hey, nice solo in the middle of the song, he's like, shut up, shut up, dude, shut up, I'm playing my solo. <laughs> but I can read <laughs> totally. that, I can read that it's going by. They can also turn to each other through the chat room and yeah. say, did you see that? Oh, yes. And by the way, here's my latest cookie recipe. And and yeah. all all the while, we're, sitting there enjoying fosters our a show. sense of community. It, so I was just going to say, we're building a community. community. Exactly. Yeah. And so it... it it emboldens it, it. It adds value. It appreciates our relationship with our fans. Uh, we know so many of our fans by name. And you were talking about the old paradigm. I mean, do we want to make one point seven cents off of three million people over a year, or do we want to make a thousand bucks off of three hundred people over a year? And that's what it comes down to. Uh, and I feel that our relationship with these people. Uh, is far more valuable. It's far more precious. Uh, to use the gr- word in a good way. Word. <laughs> well, but the, in this case, it does. It does apply. Yeah. It's. It's. It. It has a. a well, a, I, if I can interrupt, I yeah. wanted to say, um, you know, Amanda Palmer when she got her million dollars on Kickstarter a while back was the darling, and then she got trashed for a number of different things, but she has a TED Talk out. See, it's always easy to trash them after, after they, they make, make the, the money. money. Well, the, this particular TED Talk was basically on the new music economy, building it uh, in the idea of um, the Medicis, if you will, a patronage society. And I think people really uh, grasp that 
so deeply. The person who's got a job in Des Moines and maybe they like music and they sing a little bit, when they give us $25 to put a record out, they feel that they're connected to it. They have skin in the game, if you will. They feel that they're a part of bringing something beautiful into the world. Maybe they don't want to dedicate themselves to picking up a guitar and getting blisters and learning all that stuff. They're happy to be a part of that and they feel uh, rewarded by what we're doing and we feel rewarded by their support and I think that that's, again, maybe the technology makes that more difficult because there's just so many more bands out there looking for those connections. But when you get them, uh, it's, it is rewarding. It's, and, it, and I love that model, although, you know, like you're saying, it's, it's a smaller number, but it's, it's uh, one more the, intimate. One of the little nuggets that, you know, that your dad gives you when you're growing up, and this, is, this is one of them, is that the- Dad au- nugget? A little dad <laughs> nugget. One of those little words, little little bits of wisdom, as he said, uh, the audience wants to do their job. Mm. They want to. That's the whole point. They show up because they want to scream and yell for you guys doing, for the people on stage doing their thing. They're not jaded. They want to show up. They want to be there. So, yeah, you know, if we have a way to provide them entertainment in their own living room while they're in their pajamas having a glass of wine and they know they're speaking directly to us. It only just adds to the experience for them. Um, and and so I think there's a lot of people out there, a lot of artists that say, oh, there's no more record company. The old, the old model is dead. That does not mean that there is no market. Those people are out there, but it's now just a new method of finding them. Right. Oh, and another. And I think that's, um, uh, mm-hmm, if sure. I may, for just a second, like yeah, yeah. That, that I think is the challenge, and that's the interesting thing about why I do this show, because where I feel like we're still in that nebulous place mm-hmm. where people are figuring out what that is Absolutely. and how to do that. And every, whereas before, you know, the old system was maybe exploitative and there was AR people, and basically a record label was just a, a loan from a really bad bank. Yeah. Where they charge you back every single possible thing they could, which a bank does too, but it's different. It's even more rapacious when it comes to. Music, right? Um, but now there are as many ways to do it as there are artists doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 kind of settled out here and there. You know, the, there's the Spotify model and the Apple model and like the Kickstarter model and all these different things. And so there there are it's kind of codifying a little bit. Like star systems are starting to form and solar systems are congealing. But it's too soon to tell what it will look like. People are making a, me- a living in music. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Yeah. And it can happen and it will continue to happen. Um, but it's it's more frightening now. Whereas even though the old system, nobody really liked it. Everyone complained about the old system too. Right. Oh, I, our record label dropped us. Or we got a huge advance and then had to pay it back and all this. Or they're still looking for the single. We got to go still, back you know, and or, write or, another or, yeah, song. Or, or can you put more, yeah. you know, there's that, there's the Wilco story again where they they like yeah. they did one song, the record label, gave them a pile of money, we're going to try to get you on the radio. And they dressed it up like Phil Spector with tubular bells and all this other stuff. And it's a great tune, but it didn't really catch. Yeah. So the, you know, the label was was not pleased. And, you know, off they went. They got dropped eventually. And then there's they have a whole saga. Anyway. Um, so you guys are doing it though. Yeah, that's why I think that the live streaming model is the way to go. Uh, I, I more than more than most because it is direct, it's live, uh, and uh, and they have an opportunity to uh, Pay you for what you do. Yeah. It's an it's it's an it's an equitable exchange that they're happy about, we're happy about, and and our overhead is 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 pretty minimal because we're doing it out of our living room. Right. Uh, but at the same, 
because of that, we don't need to make this massive amount of money to cover this machine right. that is... And, a- I'm sorry, I feel like I keep interrupting, <laughs> it's an event, and I promise I'll shut up. Absolutely. It is an event. It, it becomes an event, an event and yes. when it becomes an event, then people, again, there's that community word again. It feels yep. like people are now part of something rather Absolutely. than... Absolutely. Go on, Cersei, I'm so well, sorry. I was just going to say, for the other musicians that are listening out there that aren't interested in doing streaming or can't embrace that technology, it's going to be different for every band. Every artist is going to have a different culture of fans, a different kind of song, and they're going to have something that they're more comfortable with doing. I think in some of the older models, you had a system. Uh, You do this, you do this, you do this, and this happens. And it's not like that. Right now, streaming works for us, but in six months... It may be something totally different. One must be so flexible and willing to embrace whatever is about to come down the pike because it's going to change. You can't put all your eggs in one basket unless you're ready to move them on the dime. And I think that that's part of what we've been able to do with embracing the technology of making a video or building our own websites or doing the streaming is being flexible enough to say, okay, I got to learn a new tool right now mm-hmm. in yeah. order to get this out. Okay, yeah, let's I sit t- down I and learn After my, Effects. I had to teach myself After Effects and Wirecast and uh, and Final yeah. Cut yeah. And, and learn all that. And you know, your listeners can tune in to uh, our next show on ConcertWindow.com. Oh, that's on right, it's coming up. Check it out. See, I think that this is a great new model, and not only can your listeners dig it, but your other musician listeners who who yeah. are maybe trying to find their way. They can do this out of their home. It yeah. doesn't take much. You sit down. I mean, you can start with just putting your laptop up. Well, actually, you don't even have to do it at home. There's streaming that you can do from your phone. Yeah. So a friend of we, ours is in Atlanta, and he right. just broadcast his last show on an iPhone. We sometimes periscope the live taping yeah. of the go. songs yeah. for this show. There you go. And people can chime in. I've done it maybe a handful of times. You know, I, I give leave it up to the artist yeah, whether yeah. or not they want to do it. You we, guys opted not to for this mm-hmm. particular thing. But we go through just, a, the website called ConcertWindow.com. Yeah. But that's, uh, yeah, periscope. Same one of them, same people trip. can chime in, little things. And yeah. it's like, and I, the first day I did it, you know, I was, I'm, I do a million things on the show while I'm taping the show. Right. And I stand over there and I run some B roll video, but I kind of took a little peek at the little thing on the Periscope thing. And our up our popping comments from people all over the so place. Cool. Like, yeah. how in God's name do they even know this is happening? Yeah. That's the crazy it's thing. They are looking. Sorts of things. That's how. Yeah. The audience is looking that they want to do their job. Their job is to sit there and support us, just like our job is to so, to give them all the art and love and music and creativity we can we can muster, uh, and uh, and so it's not surprising that they're chiming in. And it may be only seventeen people in the room, but those seventeen people are there. Yeah, that weren't that didn't know. They yeah. go, oh man, I. And I got to listen to Independence Day from now on. This is great, yeah. you know. Yeah. Or seventeen, pe- or one person of those seventeen that's taken that song, and it's now their personal anthem that helps them get through their crappy job that they hated that's today, right. or yeah. their whatever. Right. And that ties it all together because honestly, that's why I do this whole thing. I yeah. mean, I I decided very very early on in my career in music that what I really wanted to do was make people feel something. Yeah. Whether that's happy or sad, doesn't matter. Feel something because and even in that point in my life before the internet, I, I looked around and what I saw was apathy. Yeah. Growing up in a lower middle class home in suburban Chicago and dead end jobs and, you know, dying agricultural community and that's what I wanted, Mm -hmm. you know, and, you know, and it didn't always have to be happy, didn't always have to be sad because both of them, it's all part of the experience. Mm -hmm. Anyway, this kind of touches on what I've been trying to get at this whole time, which is this good vibrations thing, which (laughs) is kind of the the example we're going to use. Let's play a little bit of it first. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we start at the top maybe? Why not? Everyone knows this song and I want to, I want you to tell me like, 
I know how you did it physically, but like talk about the experience a little okay. bit. So this is the Beach Boys song, Good Vibrations, Cersei Link, Christian Nesmith, Independence Day. Let's start this and we'll come in in just a second. I, I love the colorful clothes she wears And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair So this is ridiculous amounts of fun, like yeah. hearing what this is, because... Well, if, first, because Robbie Rist. Well, first, because Robbie Rist. <laughs> well, and because Tracy Link and Christian Nesmith, too. You guys are all great, right? So, and it's... The other th- word that comes to mind is ambitious, right? Yeah. It's, it's I don't want to say it's easy, but like, sure, we could put up dead, you know, we could do dead flowers, like everybody does, like the modern, sure. you know, the, the 10 million, everybody covers the song, right? And I love it, too. But, but this is good vibrations. This is a high watermark well, American bit. recording. The actual uh, recording of it, it was an exercise for me. I, I actually chose to get as close to the original yeah. as I possibly could, just as an exercise. I'd done it with a couple other songs. I did it with uh, Genesis Dance on a Volcano, and I did it with... Uh, That's an odd choice, my friend. I, but it's That's a, a great, great song. song. It's amazing. I don't dispute that. It's an amazing song. <laughs> But it's uh, you did it with Stone and Love. Stone and Love. I also uh, by Journey and the Starship exercise was, was just to try and nail all the tones. So that was that was fun. But then when when we got to the end of it, we realized this is pretty cool, and 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 it also happened to fit in with a theme. No, I chose it for the theme. Well, okay, it she chose it for the theme. <laughs> and, Christian, uh, pay and attention, listen. That's the right. woman is right. It's true. It is always true. Uh, because but because it was a theme song, we wanted to uh, do do a cool video to it as well, and uh, and. So here yet is another example of teaching oneself a new a new method. Uh, if you'll notice in the video, you you see that it's a lot of split screen stuff, and yeah. and, uh, and that was a new. Was method. that our first split screen? Oh, and by yes. the way, I'm going to stop you yes, right there. CerseiLink.com. Yes. And then there's also a YouTube channel you which bet. I have. Where is it here? It's here somewhere. It's oh, slash uh, Cersei yeah, Link. YouTube.com/slash CerseiLink. C I R C E Link. We never did say that for anyone oh. who who has well now uh, you know spelling L I N K. Yeah. Um, now, are those? Are those? I songs? think Good Vibrations is on your channel. It's on Stone my channel. Love okay. is on your channel. Dance on the Volcano is so also. So YouTube.com/slash Christian Nesbitt. Well, yeah, I didn't I have your that. YouTube I think it channel. Might be I only had it. Okay. Um, well, you can look up my name and find yeah, you'll it. You find can it. look up Cersei Link and Google find him. it. Yeah, uh, it's, it's easy to find. And it's also on uh, Cersei Link's Facebook page. Mm-hmm. On the videos in yeah, there the video too. Yeah, the videos there. Um, but that was the exercise. It's just, uh, yeah, it was a high water mark. But you know, Brian already did all the hard work. 
Oh was, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm just copying. Yeah, um, I mean it's a special, it's a different skill, but it's a really interesting exercise. Yeah. I think well, to do that both for tones and for parts. You know, absolutely. I think that um, cover songs. I was really resistant to doing cover songs because I'm such a prolific writer. Of course. I thought, man, I don't want to waste a bunch of money going to the studio and getting all the music. Yeah, and doing somebody else's song, and then for some, when we joined Theme. I really started embracing it so much more because I love music so much. I feel, and this is just going to be so California hippie, you guys, I'm sorry, but <laughs> I feel like I wrote all those songs too. I feel in the collective pool of consciousness, I am connected to those writers. I don't feel like when I hear that music and I'm singing it, I feel a part of it. I can't say I took responsibility for coming up with a beautiful turn of phrase or the arrangement of the vocal, but I feel like it's a part of me and I don't feel it's taking away at all from me. And originally I did. I was almost jealous and guarded this, this time. Uh, and I think of it like a lasagna recipe, you know, everybody's got their own version of a lasagna recipe, but we all can kind of agree what a lasagna should and could and can look like. Someone else invented lasagna. Exactly. But we all eat lasagna. You know, and we all. If you like lasagna, well, you eat lasagna. And I like to make lasagna. I'm going to do this version. And I kind of think of it that way. And it's such a great introductory way to meet new people. When we did our Starship Trooper video and song. Yes, is Starship Trooper. Which is another one. He went kind of accurate for all the tones. We picked up a whole bunch of Yes fans who are now fans of our music. That they never, they never would have found us before. And had they seen my song of City Lights, for instance, instance they might have said, oh, I don't really like country music. Well, I'm not a country artist. I do whatever comes across my plate and inspires us. But embracing those covers uh, also expands you as a musician. You're learning other people's palettes. You're learning how to do things that you would have never done on your own. So I, I think it's so beneficial to uh, musicians to to do covers and to... Uh, they're just so dang fun. Yeah. Yeah. So and then Robbie Riss is involved in this. Like, how did you, whose idea was it to get Robbie well, to come sing? We out? had just done a podcast with Robbie. He's got a show called The Spoon. Mm -hmm, the Spoon. I've, I myself have been a guest it's on The so Spoon. It's so fun. Yeah. Uh, they get to cuss <laughs> and drink. <laughs> and they let me drink beer. And they drink <laughs> and they spill. <laughs> so we were on that show. And at the end of it, I said, oh man, the scene, the theme for the week is uh, summer, summer songs or something like know. that. And even though Good Vibrations, Technically, doesn't have anything to do with the summer in my mind oh, because come on. I'm Everything from Southern that the California. Beach Boys have ever yes, done has something to do with it's, the it's, summer. Yeah, right. Okay, so they're called the Beach Boys. They're not called the <laughs> exactly. Frozen Tundra Boys. And I think Sunkissed had a uh, commercial, and that was the song. Mm -hmm. I remember that. So we were there at the end of the podcast, and I said, "Oh, Robbie, come over and do this uh, song with us. Do you want to do it?" And he said, "Oh, yeah, that sounds fun." He's always game. That's one thing he I like about is. Robbie. He is game. And we also did, we did a Van Halen song with him as well. That's right. Um, Which one? I'm curious. Uh, uh, could this be magic? Okay. The yeah. Water. yeah. Uh, he's just a blast to work with. So, and he's in the group as well. And actually, theme music got uh, some NPR love recently. They did oh, a nice. special on it. And a lot of people collaborate all across the country. And again, this is a community that we are building of fellow musicians supporting each other, no critiquing. Um, because everybody, even if they're not so great, all the way from amateur to professional, it's about supporting one another and kind yeah. of creating this community. So, I think so too. I've got just a couple more questions. We've been all talking right. for a long Sorry. time. We've got no, 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 no apologies. <laughs> we're, we're That's what lengthy. this is all about. The talking is why we do this. <laughs> um, the first one uh, of the two I want to get at is like, and we'll try to keep these relatively short if that's even possible, is. When you bring in your songs, mm. Cersei, you bring them into Christian. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, you live, cohabitate, you know, you probably hear them very early on. 
But when you bring them in and say, okay, you know, A, how fully formed are they? B, how involved in that growth process is he? Once you come, I call them seeds. The initial idea I ever have for a song, I call a song seed. I've got yeah. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of song seeds. Yeah. And a percentage of them have made it into actual songs. Mm-hmm. So when you bring in the seed and you take it to Christian and say, okay, like what's that working relationship like? Well, because I didn't play any instruments when I first started doing music, I would write all my stuff, um, just the melody and the lyric first. And I would make the structure and everything and sing it all the way down in my mind from the top to the end. And then I would go uh, and take it to the guitar player. um, And then Christian was, I think, the second guy I ever worked with. And he'd have to pull out of the air what the chords were. Now, on the first record, a lot of that stuff is kind of homage to that uh, Patsy Cline, uh, Marty Robbins-type music. So it's all a lot of... Torch and twang. Yeah, a lot of one four five. pretty easy to figure out. And then I really have uh, serious jazz leanings. I'm a big fan of Dan Hicks. I mean, personally, if I'm listening to music for pleasure during the day, it's going to be jazz. It's, you know, Chet Baker or Yusuf Latif or... Somebody, Sarah Vaughan, or yeah, yeah. not I don't so much to jazz the vocalists. At night. Isn't that weird? Oh, I listen to it all the time. It's pretty much I, I, all it's, I want to listen to. It's night music for me. Go on. I'm mm. sorry. Anyway, um, so I would say most of the time they're fully formed songs. I would never take anything to him that I at least didn't have a chorus. Um, and a couple of verses, verses, maybe an idea for bridge. Often I'll lay off writing the bridge because that's a really fun place for him Mm -hmm. to take a left turn. Yeah, Um, I love bridges. But I come up with the concept first. I need to have a story first. If I don't have a story, I don't have a song. Um, I mean, I can write about just images all day long, but that's not going to be something I'm going to record. And I have a lot of songs where I've written talent verses, but I never quite got the kernel of the story that I want to tell. And... So it's really got to be formed as far as the story uh, before I'll take it to my co-writer. Okay, so the, pretty well, premature then. Well, think, and, but the trick is, is that, and she mentioned earlier on that she doesn't have a lot of theory, but I disagree with that. She doesn't know what it's called. Right. But I well, know I that she's here. I do know so. that she's hearing certain chord changes in her head when she's singing these melodies. Mm-hmm. And so my job is to sort of divine Extrapolate. From, from what what she's doing. But then I also get the opportunity to say, hey, if we move this one note here, mm-hmm. then I can take it to another place. Sure. And and uh, so that's where I, I've always regarded myself in this relationship as the closer. You know, she she bring, yeah, you <laughs> the know, I'm the I'm, I'm the I'm the fixer, I'm the totally. finisher, you know. I I'll I uh, and I do that for other people. It's why I, I feel like I've got a knack for producing as well, because uh, I can I can sort of take it that last ten yards yards over the goal line. Yeah. So uh, when she brings it in, you know, it's a matter for me to find out what she's thinking in her head and add my little two cents to it, mm-hmm. and then uh, and one of the biggest things that I'll know whether whether we've got something good going on uh, is if I can hear the whole song in my head. Uh, by the end of the time, we can sing it from top. To, I mean, I'm talking about all the arrangements and all the you know the types of instrumentation and a lot of the background vocals and whatever. You know, yeah. So that's when I know that we've got something that's worth putting putting down. That usually takes us about half an hour or so. Once yeah. I bring in the initial idea, we'll sit the half sit there hour, at the table like and and figure it out. I can figure out chords now. Um, but they're not very good. <laughs> I love how you I used to not be able to walk, I've got, but now no, I can walk. Hands. But no, I can figure out. I wrote some of the chords tap. on <laughs> on California Kid. I wrote a lot of those songs. But then Christian can come along and say, you know, that's cool, but 
think about this chord. Let's try this chord. Or what I want to do is add, you know, this here. And uh, he makes choices that I would never make. And again, to go back to saying, I always try and think of myself as I, I usually am the least trained musician in the room with the guys that I play with. And so I'm not going to tell Michael Sherwood what to play on the piano. If I'm co-writing with him, he's the guy I want to co-write. I want his goods. Well, I think the next song that we're going to listen to, if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Lemon, is a really good example right. of that. Oh, yeah. We're because, kind of building to this. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, I think it's a good example. Uh, although that didn't quite That's come... That's your song first. Well, that, that actually started with ones. a melody for me. But uh, uh, the point of it was so that we had a we had a... a bridge in the middle of it that I, I I I felt this arc to the song but I could never find my way out the backside of this of this center section because I I I heard it all kind of almost musical theater or or uh, or uh, some sort of dramatic aspect to it rather than just sort of song 101 and uh, and I kept running into a roadblock because I never I couldn't figure out the uh, the the arrangement and once it once I finally hit that first domino that sent me out the backside. Um, that's, that's really what created that dramatic emotional response that I'm looking for. And that's what I'm usually looking for is, is, is an emotional response that gets me from section to section in the song. Uh, I, I think transitions are so important, yeah. you know, people just like just dump into their chorus, but if you can set it up, if you can lift the per- lift, lift the listener's chin ever so slightly, all hail the pre-chorus. Yeah, lift the listener's chin ever so slightly, and just pull your hand back, and then punch them as hard as you yeah. can right in the face with the chorus. Then you've done your job yeah. right. You know who has great bridges? Speaking of bridges and song construction, you may or may not laugh, but Brian Adams has amazing. The well constructed bridges. I would agree with that. I also think that uh, that uh, the work that Paul Williams did with what's his what's his, uh, his uh his musical composer that he, uh, like we've only just begun. Nichols? Another, Nichols? Is it Nichols? Yeah. Well, that's we've only just begun. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean they take these dramatic, heavy left turn key change, and they find their way back. Like yeah. we're we're in C, and now we're gonna go to. E major, you know? Yeah. It's like, oh my lord. And that's and that's well the reason I bring this up, I just drove across the country recently. So twenty or forty seven hundred miles of time to like nice. search through the depths of my iPod mm-hmm. as, as as my girlfriend was driving and then she would do the same. And I mean I, I've always had a, a place in my heart for Brian Adams. Mm. He's kind of known as like this adult contemporary artist, but he's he's really good, right? Simple. He's hmm. a good writer. But he's a very, very and Jim Valance, the guy that he's always written with almost all the way through, like they write together. And the song, they're simple, but they're incredibly well constructed. The tones are always good. He had a Mutt Lang period where he had the the, the Def Leppard. Well, sometimes you gotta sound, play with the toys, and well, that's cool. They're, they're, you know, I would I would do anything to have the the Mutt Lang sound for a record or two. Come personally. on over, the, right? <laughs> uh, the, the you know the only uh, where he fell short for me was uh, Have you ever ever really really ever ever really ever really really ever ever really ever really 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 ever 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 really ever really easy loved a woman. Yeah, that was. I had a little problem with that particular lyric, but uh, <laughs> not that's, that's, not every song is "Hey Jude." Although I will tell hey, you, sometimes you got to write a stinky do. I have to tell you, one time we were writing a song, and you were <laughs> racking yourself over the lyric, and I walked in and I said, "Sometimes the sauce just needs the basil." 
you're, you're making spaghetti sauce and you're trying turmeric and you're trying no sometimes it just needs basil yeah. just put you the just word in go there with the basil and the oregano so he's that's a basil the right kind spice. of writer yeah what? i'm all obsessed with. i, I mean I, I love where these inspiration comes from for yeah. songs like you yeah. know I'll, for me it's a phrase like a little catchphrase that i will just start using randomly i have a song called anything for anything for you um, and it's been rendered in a couple different arrangements. Is it on one of the records? Years. It's on one of my records. His records are good, you guys. No, one of my records. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, you, oh, you say I have my listened to both good. of them. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's very kind of I you. I enjoyed both of them. That. Yeah, there's, uh, there's actually two versions on my second record. Oh, there's the, the rock version, version and there's a the hidden the track, end. which is more of a Stonesy yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, that's a end. great song. Thank you. And But I had, we, literally, we had walked into a band rehearsal one day and that was a phrase I had just started saying to people as a, as a, as a Chicago sort of like, you know, hey, can you... Can you pick me up after work? It's like, oh, anything for you, man. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a phrase that I just, I don't even remember where I heard it. I started, I started picking it up. So uh, there was a, we sat down where we started doing our rehearsal and I just started playing that chord change like out of nowhere. Great. And then that phrase, which I had just been kind of saying randomly, just popped right in there and sat right in there. It fit perfectly. And I was like, holy crap, Ola. We just wrote a song. Isn't that great? You know, like all those songs you write in, in five minutes. Like that's such a great feeling. Yeah. Anyway, it's time for my last my last question, which, okay. I, which I call my new favorite question. I've been asking it for several months, but it's still my new favorite question. Uh, Cersei, we're going to start with you. Oh, boy. And it is, uh, what makes you happy? Well, um, besides all the typical things that make someone happy, you know, love, health, friends, family. Mayonnaise. Yeah, and I do I love mayonnaise. I like mayonnaise. I do. I do love mayonnaise. Uh, I love the sound of bees in the springtime in a field of rosemary. When you're hiking, you ever come yeah. beautiful, you're coming down the valley and it's just, ah, and then there's millions of bees singing. I love that sound. That makes me super, super happy. Okay, Christian, yeah. your turn, other than mayonnaise. Other than mayonnaise. Uh, I kind of have to approach this uh, from a negative. Because you're not a happy guy? Well, no, it's not <laughs> He's that. He's a curmudgeon, <laughs> isn't he? It's, it's not that. It's, it's, I feel that they're... Particularly now that we're here, I go. Here I go. Now that we're in election season, uh, I feel I hadn't noticed. uh, You know, I I I feel like that there's so much of a propensity for people to be fearful and hateful and other than um, xenophobic. Yeah, I I guess I guess I I feel like it's even more. It's deeper than that. Um, And what really makes me happy is when that gets avoided which is the natural state of things which is the na- and uh, you know to see some people fall into those habits uh makes me very unhappy so when i see them resist when i see them kind of blow it off or when they when i see a light go off in their head mm-hmm. when when they go oh i don't have to be that way mm-hmm. when i see enlightenment when i see uh selflessness change what change change when i see people uh, pluralism uh that's what makes me happy because it's all it all stems from a principled uh state of mind you know and i i just love that question i can't really explain exactly why i kind of kind of like the lyric of that song i kind of stumbled across that because it's an Mm -hmm. open-ended question and i love the different ways that people answer that because some people go simple Mm -hmm. bees and Christian, who I don't think you're capable of doing anything in a simple fashion. Not usually. Uh, but that's what I love Not about usually. you, man. You know, you've got your thing that makes you happy. Now, you know, it, it's, 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 
Oh, no, I love hearing it's that. torment. It's torture to me all the time. It doesn't make me happy to think like this. It's you know, broadcast what, news, baby. It, it's broadcast news. Broadcast yeah. news. Yeah, it, yeah. it must be terrible to be right. Or no, it must be it must be great to be right all the time. <laughs> it's a no, burden knowing no. everything, Christian. It's, terrible. it's a burden. Yes. All right. So this last song, uh, this is a it's a, it's a big, it's like an opus. Right, it's, it's, that's how I perceive Gosh, it. To well, be. It's not very long. It's, it's well, it's, it doesn't have to be long to be yeah. like complex and yeah. complex, not in a bad way. But it's it's got different elements and it kind of on that record, it's, it's actually not on that okay. record. It's probably the the second, uh, the penultimate song right. on that record. But it's a song about a grouchy old guy who wants to uh, have his way be the right way in the world. And he's he <laughs> if he could, he would wave his magic wand and change everybody, but probably not for the better. And it's called Mr. Lemon's Sweet Revenge, Yes. Right? Okay, so this is Cersei Link, Christian Nesmith, and their awesome band with the track Mr. Lemon's Sweet Revenge from the record, Cersei? Bird's Amazing Odyssey and the Meaning of Tea. Okay, fantastic. Let's listen to this. Sadly, Mr. Lemon doesn't care for the sunshine As cars go rushing People go brushing on by him On the corner giving dark monologues He sees smog roll above them But no one to love He sees rubber faces Showing traces of their wasted half-lives Hey, you kids get off of my lawn Bleeding in the gutter, Mr. Lemon's old newsprint, inky and stupid. For telling the truth is outdated, overrated in the grand scheme of things. He goes everywhere dreaming, plotting and scheming. He hates the changes.
Thirsty Christian, absolutely delicious. That was wonderful. Thank you so much for having us. Love that. What a but treat. the tune specifically, like I, that's so delicious. Oh, well, like, thank there's so you. many like luscious parts and harmonies and it's it's it music yeah. that you don't get to hear very much anymore and i love to hear like conceptual music like that that's hap- kind of what i mean you say it's a grumpy guy but it's, it sounds like a happy song because i grew up on pink floyd and like i'm pink floyd like exactly. my, my rock operas are negative and they're about depression and right. suicide yeah. and loneliness and alienation oh and so just a little n- side note she's singing all the vocals on that oh that's not true i actually on have a record. low part on on the oh, on the record on the, on the record, record. she sings all yeah, the yeah, vocals yeah. on that yeah but it's nice to have a a, a little soprano operatic uh, yeah, uh, aspect to it. Well, in the yeah, and here today, song. Laura Drew and Rachel Wolf filling in. Oh for yeah, you doing absolutely, the great, good stuff. Those, well, they they sing with us all the time. Yeah, Fantastic. all the time. Yeah, and to be able to have musicians like that with us, we can pull that stuff off live. That's the great yeah. thing about having a terrific band is we can be in the studio and write something just totally complicated that's even hard to pull off in the studio, and then we do it live. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty. Impressive. I love uh, one of the things I love about what you two do is I love how you are ambitious about musically ambitious, about the way you go about doing the songs. And you're not ever settling for, you know, well, I really do hear this and this and this on the song, but mm-hmm. you actually pull it off. And you need to pull it off live, too. So Why cut corners? Exactly. Just go for it. Yeah, yeah, I only live once, man. That's right. Exactly. Why, why not get a big band? I, my bands are always far too large. Yeah, it's but hard. you can't help it, right? 13 just... people is my max that I've Ooh, had on stage. I haven't gotten there. Time. We have. No, I the Moody a, Girl Show. I thought the Moody Girl Show was 11. Well, once we had the harmonica player on stage. <laughs> Although Lyle Lovett, not counting classical music or that kind I've of thing, Lyle Lovett takes band. the cake. He had 29 people yes. on stage oh, when I saw wow. him play one time. Yeah. Phenomenal. Greek, I, think. I yeah. say this to everybody. If you ever get a chance to see Lyle Lovett, even if you don't think you like That's Lyle right. Lovett, go see Lyle The musicianship alone. He blew me away. Yeah. Absolutely blew me away. So... We're, I'm sad. We're at the end of this kind of thing. Don't be we're, sad. We're we'll come back. Come back. We'll so, have you on our show. That would be lovely. I would be honored. That would it be would fantastic. It would be great to have so, you So, Cersei, Christian, thank you so much. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for bringing your band. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for bringing your music. Thanks, Thanks to Thanks for Dorothy making June. good music. Thanks for uh, making ambitious music, uh, and thanks for doing it in a happy and friendly way, because that's you. that's like the best thing. Well, thanks for having us. All right, so check out Cersei Link. You can drop by CerseLink.com, C-I-R-C-E-Link, L-I-N-K.com. Also, ChristianNesmith.com. She's all over the Facebook. She's all over the Twitters and the YouTubes, YouTube.com slash CerseLink. And the In-Depth Day, in-depth day channel, uh, In-Depth Day, excuse me, YouTube.com slash In-Depth Day videos. We're all over the web. There you go. Google us, baby. Google us. me. So, all right. So, thank you to Cersei Link and Christian Nesmith, as well as their stellar band. Also, to the Independence Day staff, with a big extra thanks to Audio Jedi Valentina Rivera, along with Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. Thanks to Bliss Bowen for Mike Lonage. The whimsical Tony Tonelok Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society. Check them out, too. For Independence Day, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do anything for each other, please be good to one another.